You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support. This is your Partially Examined Life nightcap. We're recording this on February 24th, 2023. I have a couple things, but what's on either your minds? Who wants to start? Well, I'm going to a memorial service this weekend and I'm helping the person whose mother died write her eulogy. Are you taking some inspiration from other eulogies or are you writing what you think ought to be a eulogy or what are you doing? I'm just trying to help her find her voice in a way that I think will be most beneficial for everybody who attends. So you're trying to help her say what she's already saying in a way that will work for the audience as you understand it. Yeah. She had a complicated relationship with her mother and she's relatively young. Mm -hmm. So I'm helping her find a way to say things that she wants to say that she thinks are important without making it about her and her feet, you know, um, because I think a lot of the people there will have complicated feelings and ultimately this person has passed. And the point of a memorial service is for people to come together as a community and grieve and you want to allow for that process to happen. So, Well, and and maybe part of it is that, I mean, if people have a lot of complicated feelings, maybe some of that acknowledgement will help. I think so. Yeah. And I'm sure people will talk amongst themselves and all that sort of thing. It's just, it's a tough time. It's very tough when you lose your mother at such a young age after lengthy illnesses and, you know, ultimately... We don't know what other people experience and pain and illness can make you difficult to deal with. So Mm -hmm. we want to be tolerant of that. I think this idea of thinking about encomiums, you know, or, you know, things to, it has a a philosophical pedigree of -hmm. how do you talk about the dead and how do you want yourself to be talked about after you're dead and what kind of to do. I don't know. One of my dad's friends, the oldest of his group has, has passed away and they had for her husband, like a memorial service when he died a, a few years ago. And for her, the kids just don't want to do anything because I guess it's like all the people that would have gone, most of them are dead. Like she outlasted most of them. I don't know exactly what the, I don't know. I know. I just know of some people, even one of my peers, Brian's friend, in California just died after a long battle with brain cancer. And it's just like, I, he didn't want to service. They just, his wife made something on the internet for him, uh, online thing to read that was a really nice thing about his life and his interests, but I don't know. Disagree. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, I guess I do too. You know, sure, we can respect that, but the memorial service is not about them. It's about everybody else. And it's about community. And it's about grieving, which requires community, I mean, at least historically, the way we've you know, evolved traditions and so forth. People who are grieving are not supposed to be left alone. You're not supposed to be alone with your grief for any number of reasons. You know, so you come together, it's an affirmation. The people who are still around and their relationships and their connections, there's the process of letting go of the one who died, but also recognizing that you still have obligations and things like that to other people uh, and loved ones. So I, you know, I'm actually really bought into the concept of ritual around this particular human practice, you know, I think we've kind of lost sight of it and we've lost sight of the meaning and the importance of it. I very much like what we do in the Jewish tradition. They have a period when somebody dies, you don't bury them immediately. There's a waiting period. And during that waiting period, the family or the close 
relatives do something called sitting shiva, which means they're supposed to stay at home for seven days and they're not supposed to go to work. They're not supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be with each other and they're supposed to be visited by friends, family, neighbors, whatever. And those people bring them food and they sit with them and everybody sort of processes. Then you do the actual burial after that period or at some point afterwards. And there's a process and a ritual around that. Everybody throws, you know, a scoop of dirt on the grave and there's, you know, a whole formal procession around that. And then if you are a spouse, you have a year where you're not supposed to get remarried or anything like that. But then after that year period, it's supposed to be like, okay, it's over. Get on with your life. So, you know, you don't have a prolonged, oh, woe is me. After that person died, I, I couldn't move on with my life. And I'm not saying that this is just one ritual. I think the ritual of burial, the ritual of memorial services is really critical. And I feel like we've lost it. And I've been to a few in my life. And I've seen ones where the love poured out. And, you know, it was a really cathartic and wonderful experience for everybody who attended. And I've seen ones where the anger and denial and the grief blocked the possibility of that sort of action. So if anybody's interested, there's a really... I don't know what he's up to today, but there's a theologian and he might actually have a psychology degree also. His name's Stephen Jenkinson. He's Canadian. And I think he's partially First Nations. And he did a documentary uh, uh, many years ago called Grief Walker. And this was kind of his theme. And it follows him as he basically goes through kind of a hospice process with a few people and mm. talking about this very thing and our disconnection from that process and why it's so important. A very wise, wise, wise. Man. You make me think not just about eulogies and the rituals and habits regarding when someone dies, but also the process of dying itself. When I think about hospice and you mentioned going to, you know, sitting Shiva and going to visit the family or the loved ones, people grieving the death of their loved one in the Jewish tradition. It also makes me think of of just the process of going to visit people who are dying. Mm Um, or who are in the you know ends of their lives. You know, one of my uncles died uh, died of pancreatic cancer over quite a significant amount of time, and I went to visit him you know several times. He in the waning months of his life, my mom with her sister tended to him for you know the last six or eight weeks of his life. You know there was something really just a good thing mm-hmm. to acknowledge, just to show up. And uh, what I found was what he wanted to do, what he was happy to do was just talk about what everybody's doing. And he was always grateful for that. Also trusting that I think it's inevitable. You wonder, am I disrupting them in some way or whatever? And you could call up and find out how, you know, does he want to see anybody? And it was either yes or no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it wasn't personal. It was like, I'm up for it or I'm not. Same thing was true of, uh, another one of my uncles in this respect. And it was really worth it to make the trip to go see them. Totally. You make a really good point, Dylan, around just being present. My wife and I are known for being great in a crisis. (laughs) And when we have somebody who's, there's a medical emergency or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, what I see when people are going through these kinds of circumstances 
the common reaction of well-intentioned people is to say, you know, praying for you, let me know if I can do anything. No, no, you don't, don't make people make decisions. Exactly. You don't, <laughs> people in these situations aren't thinking about you and aren't thinking about how you can help and whatever. You just show up. So you bring food, you bring flowers, you take their dog for a walk, you make sure the kids are okay. You do, you just show up. And you're also attentive to their signals about not what, basically relieving them of decisions. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how you deal with crisis. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.